Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Greetings from the hill country of Central Texas. This is Revolution in Military Affairs, a podcast about war and warfare, and I'm your host, Amos Fox. On today's episode, we have Professor Vladimir Rada from the University of Reading in Reading, England, uh, to talk with us about proxy war. Vladimir is one of the leading scholars on uh, proxy wars today, uh, as well as civil wars, conflict delegation, and sub-state violence. Uh, Vladimir is also a uh, non-resident fellow with the Irregular Warfare Initiative, and he's very prolific in his writing and uh, publishing on the, on the topics of proxy war, conflict delegation, and civil wars. All right, good morning, uh, or good afternoon, Depending on where you're at, it's it's morning here in Central Texas. But uh, good morning. Today we have uh, Vladimir Rauta from the University of Reading on the podcast to discuss one of my favorite topics, uh, proxy war. Real quick, uh, Vlad, good morning and welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for um, having me. Good morning or, well, good Good afternoon, I think. Yeah, we're yeah. Um, next to near London. All yeah. right. So uh, with that, Vlad, just uh, Vlad's my PhD advisor. So we've spent a many good, uh, good uh, discussion, whether it's uh, virtually or, or via email or, or getting skull dragged on, uh, you know, papers and whatnot on, on proxy war. And so if you understand anything about proxy war, this is for the the education of the greater audience. There's about three people today that. Uh, matter and proxy war and Vlad's at the top of that list. So quite lucky, A, to have him on the podcast, but B, uh, to have him as my PhD advisor. And I'm not just saying that as a, as a form of ingratiation because it's way too late for that at this point. So, <laughs> Well, steady on. You still have to submit. <laughs> I'm doing that, I'm doing that so... later today. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I guess yeah. uh, as we get going here, uh, the first question uh, that I've got for you is uh, what it – 
can you provide just a basic explanation of uh, what proxy war is and what it is not, I think is perhaps also useful. Um, I mean, I think it's the right question to start with. Um, it also might be the question on which we yeah. finish. <laughs> because I mean, I, I spent a disproportionate amount of time, I think, thinking about this problem. And in fact, I started... Um, uh, uh, that's how I ended up looking at the problem, starting thinking about what it is and what it is not. So um, in some ways, I've sort of stuck to um, one simple definition, which to me was sort of to think about a proxy war as an indirect form of intervention, whereby states um, sponsor rebels with various different forms of support, um, because that was the specific empirical problem that I wanted to look at. So that's, I think, one of the constant things um, throughout um, sort of my research. And I've been looking at this um, for, I think, a decade now. Um, but then throughout over the decade, I've also, and, and especially having sort of um, seen how the debate has grown and being so fortunate to work with so many people in, in, in the debate, I've also seen that there are many different ways to think about um, sort of proxy. So perhaps not simply just as a form of indirect intervention, but also through, um, through different um, lenses here. And uh, later in our chat, I'll, I'll speak a bit about uh, the framework that we put forward in the uh, Outledge handbook of proxy wars to which um, you you contributed with an excellent chapter. Um, but the other, the second part of your question was what it is not. Um, <laughs> this is where perhaps I'll make um, people um, a bit upset. I think uh, I think it's they're, they're not auxiliaries. Uh, they're not sort of. Um, uh, I I can't quite square it conceptually with sort of an alliance. Um, so I I would draw two big sort of red lines around these two these two notions um, specifically and 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 while I can understand that sort of proxy and auxiliary can be a sort of pedantic academic um, academic answer I think the biggest difference is with um, alliances um, so I don't know what 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 do you think you've also had yeah. a, a couple of things to say yeah, about so this. I'm going to answer that question in just a second. I, I personally, I want to go back real fast and ask another question on top of that. So you've been doing this for over 10 years, studying proxies and proxy wars. What, as a, as a non-practitioner, as, as an academic, what, what inspired you to get involved with proxies as opposed to any number of other things? Um, I've been asked this several times and I don't have a, um, a very good answer. The real answer is that I didn't really want to get a real That's job. Fair. So halfway through my, so halfway through my, uh, MA, I was just like, well, I, I, I had some options of what to do next. Uh, and one of them was sort of like either carry on sort of doing research or getting an actual job. And I didn't really think I, um, was ready not to be a student. In, in that way, which is which is really just the honest um, the honest yeah. answer, and as it happened, so when I did my MA, which is at the University of uh, of Nottingham, that was also the year the year um, Andrew Mumford joined as a lecturer, and then one of his one of the modules that he taught um, that I took in 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 my MA was something called contemporary warfare, and he was in the process of writing and, and finishing his manuscript, the yeah. the book that became 
name um uh the one yeah, of the key text the state yeah, yeah we, call, we call mumford now. the godfather <laughs> all right i'm not sure he'll like that but oh, 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 he yeah. might like it i don't know we can we, we yeah. can ask him um uh yeah well we could um and then I'll let you um, for that one though so, because uh, I, don't, I haven't met him personally yet so if there's any heat uh, off that i'll let you soak it up no no it's uh he's uh, he's uh, great he's uh, not just great at what he does but then also just a a, um, a great yeah. person a very supportive um supervisor and advisor and well that, and real quick on that I'm sure, too. I'm sure he would be listening yeah. to this right i'm sure he would be listening the, the thing to this for listeners to... to understand too for like jokes aside like mumford's work was kind of that that pin in the map that that got the 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 modern version of proxy war studies going right i totally yeah. agree and i think it's um uh, i mean we're sort of veering off uh, from uh, the question that you asked which i'm not sure i remember now but it <laughs> doesn't really get matter into proxy war um, studies? <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> because i needed something to Fair do enough. and I needed a job but didn't <laughs> want to do real work yeah okay. exactly exactly <laughs> pretty much so it, but but andrew sort of had this lecture on 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 the topic and that's how it sort of and i found it so just slightly curious what is the sort of form of conflict that doesn't seem to sort of exist in a in in a, in a clear way and it sort of just sits somewhere between sort of direct conflict and indirect conflict and sort of civil war and sort of state to state yeah. conflict so i just find it quite curious and then um we started having we had a conversation about this and sort of i um i applied and then i sort of uh, um i i started working on this without actually ever um sort of properly studying um political yeah. violence as as an undergrad which was totally like i really spent the, the i think the first one year and a half of my PhD essentially just reading everything i could in so many different yeah. directions i had I, I kid you not maybe 15 versions of a, of a literature review because i was just going through all of these sets of sort of literatures until i just sort of realized well this is this isn't working and yeah. this isn't working so uh the struggle was real <laughs> as they say um <laughs> but but anyway um but then you ask us so, i mean you, you do you do you do say that andrew's sort of book and then the sort yeah. of scholarship that accompanied the, this did offer sort of a a, um, a renaissance of of or a renewed yeah. interest in the topic, which I think is absolutely clear, right? So it's 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 his book that comes out at uh, I think in 2013, yep. and at the same time, Geraint Hughes's book, um, My Enemy, My Enemy's Enemy, Enemy yeah. is yeah, exactly, uh, appears I think maybe maybe at the same time or the year before, something yep. like that. And these two texts essentially appear just as um sort of syria and yemen and sort of the middle east uh, slowly starts sadly um uh, imploding in in the sort of civil wars that still rage on yeah. on today and that become sort of our um you know the archetypes of um proxy wars so quite rightly so this is where sort of the renewed interest um comes yeah. from we'll get back to that here in a minute when we talk about the uh, the three schools of thought that uh, that you've outlined but to go back to your question based off my question on the differenti differentiating between proxies and alliances, I think that um, I, mm -hmm. I too agree that those are different. I think that uh, alliances are formal, um, often governed by some sort of piece of paper that says, hey, this is the parameters of the agreement that we're working with. Totally. Uh, and coalitions, yeah. I think, 
um, also can be sussed out in that. I think that they're different than uh, proxy relationships. Um, they're often more of a pragmatic response and less formal than an alliance, but somewhat similar, but still yeah. vastly different than uh, than a proxy relationship. Like I, I absolutely totally agree. I, th- I think there is a sort of a, uh, an implied formality in the type of relationship that two entities enter once um, uh, they, they form an, an alliance um, that simply is not replicated in in a sort of a proxy dynamic. Now, having having said this. I think there is some really interesting sort of scholarship that has looked at the relationship um, between sort of states and, and militants or, or, or rebels um, as sort of informal alliances, drawing on some of the um, the insights from alliance alliance theory, right? So, but and this goes back to the main the first question and what I said, right? There are different ways to to think about the problems posed by sort of state sponsoring rebels pending on the questions that we want yeah. to ask right so if you're really just interested in tr- trying to understand what brings um you know rebel group a with state b together then there are some sort of merits in trying to think or or borrow from the thinking and the intellectual infrastructure of alliance theory yeah. Right. I mean, sure, you could do that because you can get some sort of insights. I think it's just a question of understanding the type of questions or the puzzle that one is asking, and then understanding also the limitations. Right. Think that most alliance theory from uh, literature, you know, Stephen Walt mm-hmm. and everyone else, um, is strictly about yeah, states yeah. Uh, in 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 that fashion. Yeah. So. All right. So with that, we'll jump off to the next key idea that I think is worth uh, discussing with you and sharing with everybody. So I, I really like the idea. I'm as I, I was. So I'm going to give an aside before I get to the question. So I was talking once to somebody, and I mentioned this to you actually last week when we were talking. Um, I was talking to somebody about uh, proxies, right? One time, and they were and they told me. Uh, you Americans, clearly this guy wasn't an American. Uh, he said, you Americans always want to uh, put things in nice, neat little boxes. And what you're really talking about, and this is where he told me, he's like, what you're really talking about is alliances. Proxy wars, anything but alliances. And I was like, okay, cool. But I say all that to say, as an American, I like nice little boxes to put things in, right? And so I, I really think that you're... The, uh, the idea that you developed, the three schools of thought that you've developed about proxy wars is a good, useful tool uh, for anybody that's coming to the subject to understand, A, its evolution, and B, its current state. And so if you would, uh, please just uh, uh, lay out the idea there behind the three schools of thought that you've developed. Yeah, sure, absolutely. But I mean, I think first I need to sort of advise you that you should start talking to people about something else, not just <laughs> proxy stuff. I mean, I think it's just like <laughs> you can't keep on talking to people just about the same thing. It's like um, the uh, you know right. the, the person that calls and is like, I don't know if this is a thing in the UK, but you know, hey, uh, I I can lower your car insurance, you know, or uh, or something like that. Oh, these they, these yeah, that's yeah, maybe these with cams. proxy war, yeah, you know, yeah, so. Yeah. Okay, I see. So basically, I'm expecting some sort <laughs> of right. offer at the end of this recording. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so you asked me about sort of uh, specifically uh, sort of an article that I wrote um, and published in Contemporary yep. Security Policy, which in a way attempts to to trace the intellectual 
a sort of debate around proxy stuff. And uh, I mean, it's it, it's it's good that you asked me how I got into this, and I told you about my um, my two year struggle trying to understand where and who mm-hmm. wrote about about proxies. Um, and uh, it's been in so the article appeared maybe two or three years ago, but it's in the making for how it has been or had been in the making for a long time. And um, because it was quite important to understand within what literatures, in what debates, and specifically in what contexts, you know, scholars yeah. had actually written about this. And anyway, to to sort of make sense of this, you know, you know, quite specifically, we think of either sort of traditions of of, of scholarship or sort of mm-hmm. generations. Like we we have scholarship that sort of breaks these things into cycles or waves. So here, I just wanted to sort of see if there are some sort of um, patterns of thinking that we can associate with specific moments in time, right? When when people were writing yeah. on this and. Um, obviously, if you ask anyone what a proxy war is, they will sort of say, oh, it's something that was, you know, the U.S. and the U.S.S.R. were doing the, during the Cold yeah. War. Right? That, 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 that's the main sort of insight that most people... Can I, can um, I jump in really fast will, on that? Will... So, yeah, sure, but you I are know, interrupting. I'm sorry. So one, one, I was, one <laughs> I time I was, uh, I was having a conversation with uh, some folks about proxy war, and I, I had mentioned, you know... Like, Again. Yeah, and I, I mentioned, yeah, you yeah. know, hey, like there's nuance to this and we need to understand it. And the guy retired general said, well, we did proxy wars in the cold war and we did it pretty well. So I don't know that we really need to think about it today. So I add that as fodder to your, <laughs> to your point yeah, there. Yeah. So no, please continue. I just no, thought, I wanted to share that with the group. It's, it's good. It's good. I mean, also, I think the audience again should be reminded that we, we, we know yeah. each other and we've known each other for a long time. And it's, it's what in the UK people call um, banter That's in right. some ways. Right. Um, anyway. Um, so naturally I wanted to sort of think about the early start and where this sort of uh, debate comes from. Then when, when does it sort of reemerge? And we sort of already mentioned a couple of names, um, earlier in the conversation that sort of reintroduced the, the the notion and its significance just as sort of events were um, uh, sort of shaping um, uh, some important geostrategic corners of, of the world. And then also to make sense that what, what happens sort of today, mm-hmm. right? How, how do we think about that? And for this reason, I sort of thought of essentially delineating th- three generations yeah. of, of scholarship, uh, b- but doing so by asking, by looking at the types of questions um, that they were asking and the, the looking at sort of what were some of the, th- whether there were some sort of theoretical or theories that dominated the approach, whether there were some sort of um, um, conceptual autonomy or people were w- w- working with different different concepts. Um, and, and very interestingly, all of this sort of evolves right so uh, early early scholarship largely sort of concentrated or written during the cold yeah. war um is 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 defined by extraordinary variation and i think we really even we haven't really grasped the degree to which there is so much still to recover from that thinking right in terms of concepts in terms of theories in terms of case yeah. studies um uh, across different um 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 different regions and of course it has some sort of limitations right because it, it's just um it, it's just such a specific chunk of, of of human history um and then 
moving on from that, we have the scholarship that emerges around sort of the Arab mm -hmm. Spring and, of course, encompassing quite a bit of the uh, literature written around sort of the Russian annexation of Crimea that also reintroduces proxy wars um, prominently to policymakers. And that's where we see sort of, a, a, um, as I said, in a way, the, the renaissance of the study of, of, of proxy war by um, you know, w with an attempt at defining the concept in, in a modern context, uh, trying to figure out what kind of theories work, right? So whether there is, um, you know, we have principal agent theory or strategic interaction or things like that. And of course, the, 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 the sort of the current literature, which is sort of, you know, all yeah. of us still writing, are we in a sort of a, 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 in, a in a new um, um, stage? And uh, I sort of show how perhaps we are in a new stage, right? So um, for me, the generations were sort of the founders, the the, you know, the Cold War generation that wrote all of this, um, the, the the framers, sort of Geraint and Andrew, that reframed sort of the topic and reintroduced it, and the and the reform right sort of myself and so many others who've pushed um sort of those efforts right we now have clear concepts we have typologies um we have uh, uh, you know different approaches yeah. we've come together from different schools of thought to to communicate about that and that i sort of called it the the reformers just as a sort of a a placeholder yeah. right so um but it was really a sort of an intellectual effort to understand where we are and how we ended up knowing what we know, which sometimes sort of is taken for granted, right? We're just so focused um, on on this idea of, oh, I, there is a gap and I want to sort of fill it and then I have to sort of phrase my, my, yeah. my uh, um, article or book in that lens and then we ignore a lot of literature and we speak past each yeah, other. One I another. think it's uh, I, honestly, I, I don't know that it could have, but you know, I, as somebody that was writing, researching, and writing on this topic too, um, <clears throat> I found the paper extremely helpful. Not only from like just the historical evolution of the idea from the you know Cold War to today, but then also um, from the who are the people that you need to be reading standpoint, right? So I'm always. Uh, one of the one of those people that goes and looks at footnotes and endnotes, and I'm like, hey, what in here have I not seen? Or if there's something that's tagged really well, uh, or you know, a really good uh, uh, citation within a paper, I'll go look it up and I'll say, oh, who said that? You know, and then I'll end up like running down the rat hole on all these citations. And so for somebody that uh, does that kind of thing, that paper is really useful um, from that standpoint. And then also, like I came to the game, I started looking at this in the 2017. 2018 time period based off my own experience as a practitioner i was uh, honestly what what got this going for me um was i was standing in the headquarters in baghdad I was standing in the headquarters in baghdad the last couple of uh you know towards the waning waning days of the battle of mosul and uh, one of the guys that i was working with said hey man you know this uh, we're in this proxy war blah 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 and i was like huh and then I started sketching things out on the map and that or on the uh, on, on the whiteboard that I had next to my desk. And that was like the, the start of all this for me. And so to be able to go back and look at this paper um, and then understand the, the lineage essentially that existed between, you know, Cold War to today and then fitting my own experience within that context. It's also really interesting um, because I can see 
uh, see that evolution of thought develop. Uh, but anyway, enough about my own experience. Uh, so the Rutledge Handbook of Proxy Wars that came out in July, it's uh, 250-ish pages, so not too hefty a tome. But uh, you and a couple of uh, your colleagues uh, edited that book. Go ahead and tell us a bit more about that book. So I think it's about 500 pages. Oh, you must have sent me the small abridged version. <laughs> we sent you, yeah, we sent you half the volume. You, you sent me my chapter plus yours, apparently. <laughs> no, really, it has to be. Like, it has to be, I think so. It's 4 9 I'm something. i off the shelf. You may be because, right. Yeah, maybe. All well, right. I, I think I should be. All right. Yeah, there you go. I see that there's, there's a lot of sort of yeah. post-its in your, yeah. in your, in your book. Are they all in your... Did you just, just read, read your chapter, chapter over yeah, and over again? Like, this is, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was the, the best case. thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Four. Well, with going through all the end notes, it's at four fifty-five. So, yeah, we split the difference. Right, okay, right. Then. Well, yeah. Well, I was closer. If this was the Price is Right, <laughs> I win. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. So, uh, like most of the things that I ended up, uh, I ended up. I ended up doing um it was a sort of a chance uh, encounter over over twitter actually with um uh, michelle uh Vies, who ends up being one of the um um uh, one of the editors next next to me and uh, and, and asaf mogadam um and we started talking on the basis of some sort of research that uh, they had they had done, and um, uh, we sort of thought about well, what would a sort of a bigger contribution, uh, what what would it look like? So it was a sort of a uh, it, it's it, it came off a sort of a, a a meeting on on Zoom, and in fact um, we developed all of the all of the handbook, and we worked on this for roughly three years, um, and we met. Um, only after it almost came out for the first time in person, which I think was a sort of a nice, uh, a nice uh, um, thing, given that it, it took place for most of COVID. If, if you're an um, so, it's really nice. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's also, of course, there's people working various yeah. different ways. Uh, I think it, it it became really one of the things that that helped me channel all of my sort of COVID frustrations, right? Not being able to travel, being yeah. trapped, you know, everyone um, uh, um, did that and, and they became really co- close, close friends and... Um, uh, it was also like you know we were working on something that was was um, sort of worthwhile, yeah. um, and and I think what matters so 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 the handbook for us was also an idea of giving people a voice to talk about this, and you know there were so many um, scholars of, at, at various different stages that were working on this, and we and we wanted to bring as many as possible in in the conversation right so if we if you look at the sort of the handbook you see sort of um the contributions from um um uh, scholars currently just did doing their phd mm-hmm. all the way to sort of full professors right so we were like we cast a wide yeah. net of, of 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 expertise and it was the first sort of idea right get people um talking about um about about the topic um because they're but there was so much, yeah. so much interest in this. Yeah. Is there any uh, outside of your own chapters, any or in, in my chapter for that matter? Are there any? Is there any things in the book that specifically you think are novel that uh, are worth highlighting? 
all, all of them. them are novel and are uh, worth um, highlighting. Um, I think what, what's what's unique about uh, the the exchange is that we tried not to sort of leave no stone yeah. no stone yeah. unturned right in 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 that sense so we have um contributions that look at essentially how to study proxy wars how to sort of bring different approaches in we have sort of a quantitative evaluation of what proxy wars are sort of using you know statistical analyses or sort of existing data sets all the way into sort of case studies um on on proxy you know examples of proxy wars or regions where where proxy wars tend to happen so from that point of view i think that the book is is sort of worth um uh it's um it's 400 something yeah. pages uh, from beginning from beginning to yeah, end yeah the uh yeah. is a is a practitioner slash scholar uh who spent too many years of their life in the middle east i, I really did enjoy the uh the chapters that, that were on uh iran's proxy war strategy and then iraq's pmf uh, or popular mobilization units those hit really close to home for me um having <laughs> having played ball with both those uh proxy networks mm-hmm. over the course of my other yeah. career so it, it, it's interesting because we also brought in um, several practitioners um, to, to sort of write on this, uh, some of whom sort of walk the line of, sort of practitioner yeah. and academic. But, um, you know, as an audience, practitioners and sort of policymakers were really, was a sort of a really a key audience for us, right? So we really, both in terms of how we wrote it and who we thought this would sort of speak to um, was again sort of very wide so we thought it 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 should speak and it should sort of spark curiosity for sort of an undergraduate student um interested in sort of you know international relations to 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 someone working on their phds but then also someone you know sitting there considering an option of whether to um sponsor a a proxy uh group or not um i think that so we're we're hitting a wind down time here, but last last question slash I guess it's a question. Um, what do you think? Um, so we're talking about different target audiences. What do you think is the one thing or the handful of things that's getting in the way of uh, people, policymakers, whomever, um, f- from clearly understanding uh, what what a proxy is, what a proxy war is, and what a proxy isn't, and what a proxy war isn't. So I think there's a conceptual problem in assuming that proxy wars is only something that um, sort of one country's adversaries do, right? We tend to sort of think of specific states that engage in proxy wars, whereas Another perhaps others do as well. Yeah. So I think I think I think I think that that's a problem because it is. I think it is a big. Um, um one misses a strategic opportunity to sort of uh operate within within the space it's just one sort of assumes that uh uh you know doing doing proxy wars on a different uh, label makes it a more successful policy or yeah. or not or not and so i think there is a sort of and and this is again we go back to the concept and yes it might sort of it, it's not the perfect concept it's not the perfect concept um but what concept yeah, of war right. sort of is in 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 that in that sense and and all of them can be politicized and one can just look at ukraine the, the russian invasion of ukraine right and see how uh, politicized the notion the notion is um 
so I think there's a, there's that sort of conceptual problem, and I think um, there are sort of problems in trying to sort of um, uh, think on the sort of the short term when it comes to sort of consequences mm-hmm. in terms of sort of perhaps looking on the um, uh, in 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 the long term and sort of assuming that the sort of a quick win um, over a, a sort of a, um, a minor you know objective um is 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 okay yeah so that's maybe that's that. uh that's fair i think that uh you hit on a good point that's um other and i'm obviously spinning it a little not spinning it i'm i'm rephrasing it to a degree but proxy war is something other people do not what we do right we use partners and we operate by with and through partners uh but other people you know the bad guys the people that we don't like they use proxies that's um, on my end. I think that that's a big hiccup I see along the way from people clearly understanding um, proxy uh, proxies and proxy war. I mean, you know, we've spoken about this several times, and and I, I would largely agree. And at the end of the day, you know, what one defines this sort of strategy, you know, people and, and conceptual mm-hmm. choices go for it, right? But sort of, you know. Ch- you are doing sort of logically the same yeah. thing, right? One is sort of providing weapons and training and sort of intelligence and something mm-hmm. else. Um, that's the that that's the process. That's what's sort of happening, yeah. right? Whether we we call it a proxy or a sort of an ally or a partner, and I simply don't don't buy into some of these uh, recent attempts at sort of saying, oh, you know, partners are not proxies and and and, and all of that because. I think whatever limitations we might find with the sort of the with 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 the adjective itself with proxy, they apply and they are shared equally by you know reframing this as sort of ally or or partner or you know whatever preposition counterinsurgency and irregular warfare rest yeah. on today. So you know I think yeah. It's- so with that last question before we break here, uh, what is the worst hot take? and proxy war understanding out there that they are under conceptualized under theorized and under researched that's fair that's the that is genuinely um the biggest misconception that um uh, we don't have scholarship on this when in fact there is a wealth of scholarship um out there and and it's a shame because we don't need another paper that tells us that you know proxy wars are about deniability and risk. We need we need we need more refined puzzles, and they are out there. Yeah, right? that's that's. Um, so what what you're saying is anybody that's wanting to write about proxies and proxy wars, the introduction no longer needs to say that it's an underappreciated and underdeveloped uh, field of study. They just need to go look at your three generations of proxy war paper before they start <laughs> writing their own. And then understand yeah. that there are three generations of proxy war going back, you know, quite. Yes. So this recording, this recording is essentially a, a big scam. I just want people to cite, cite right. my work. And I then mean, that's isn't it. that what we yeah, all yeah. want? Anyway, I, I guess, I guess. No, but 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 I mean, I think I think the reality is that there are sort of puzzles out there and and things that we haven't sort of looked at, and. It's a shame that we're not looking at that um, because, uh, you know, we're trying to sort of reinvent the yeah. wheel with every, you know, we, we call it semi-proxy wars or we relabel it and then say the same things. And I'm just like, I think that's, like, yeah. you know, fine. It works with some sort of research agendas, but I don't think that that's sort of intellectually productive. Yeah. 
right? I think it's like we need to know more about control. We need to know more about escalation. We need to understand sort of what use proxies might have in sort of great power competition that is short of conflict, right? So proxy war, at least the way we've we've looked at it in this in in, in the handbook, is all about sort of um, yeah, war, right? Yep. Violence. But do proxies actually play a role short of that? So, I mean, the, the, puzzles, are, the puzzles are out there. They're staring us in, 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 in the face, yeah. I guess. So it's... Yeah, um, we just need to get more familiar with the, with the existing literature. So last, last, exactly. uh, last thing here. So based off what you... Yes, this is your, this is your third last thing. I'm long-winded, thing. you know this. Um, yes. So, so pick, pick three <laughs> or four if you want. Uh, but who are the, the top three people aside from yourself um, that folks should look at uh, when they when they want to kick off the study of proxy war? Always, always the next generation. I'm 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 and and I'm not going to give you names here, but I I'm fortunate enough to sort of know um, and 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 be familiar with so much sort of research that is being currently done by um, a, a thriving PhD community in, in yeah. the US and the UK across Europe, um, and they're asking. Uh, questions that make me rethink my own work. Um, so, so research always has to look forward, and always, always the next. People. All right. Well, that's the perfect way to close it out, and the most uh, politically safe answer you can go with. So, <laughs> with that, Vlad, thank you for your time, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.